If you will, turn in your Bibles now to James chapter 5. Uh, this is going to be our last message in the book of James for this year. Uh, we began studying the book of James together in August, um, and we said we would study straight through. And here we are today in the last two verses of James chapter 5, uh, verses 19 and 20. And so if you need a Bible, once again, if you'll grab that pew Bible, you can turn to page 1013 and you'll be right there with us. We would love for you to read with us, study along with us today. And if you need that Bible um, at home, please, please take it with you as a gift. We'd love for you to have it. Um, And so thank you uh, for being here today and reading and studying the scriptures with us. I had the joy of going uh, to my hometown just recently. And just kind of riding around, I love to, to ride around and just reminisce and, and uh, just kind of think in, back to the old days um, that weren't too far uh, removed. And I remember playing uh, ball in, in Byron, Georgia, and we were sponsored by local um, uh, businesses, and I played for Middle Georgia Bank. And I was asking my dad, I was like, I don't even know if Middle Georgia Bank still exists anymore, but I'll, I'll forever remember my purple jersey and gold riding Middle Georgia Bank. Don't even know if we had a mascot. We were just Middle Georgia Bank. That's what it said on the schedule. And then we played First State Bank. That's all I know, okay? And, and so we had that across the way. Um, but at the end of the season, I remember we received trophies, and I still have this trophy. I don't know where a lot of my other trophies are. So many just had to find a place to store them, whatever. But it's not, it's not the case. Um, but uh, it's probably one of my only trophies I have. But 1986, and it has 86 on it and a little t-ball player. And my, my sons saw it the other day in the garage, and they said, Dad, why do you still have this trophy? And I said, because it's, it's special. That's the first ever trophy I received. And, and yes, it was a participation trophy. Get over it. Um, but it also reminds me that our uh, uh, treasures, they fade because through time, this trophy that I thought at the time was real gold um, has proved not to be real gold. It's, it's not. And, and it's, it's tarnished. It's faded through time. And, and it really is. I'm being serious. It's a reminder to me um, that all the treasures here on earth that we store up will, will fade away. And so it's just a visual reminder for me. But I do remember the joy of just receiving that trophy at the end of the season as a, as a completion. It is, it is done. Good job. Well, well done. And, and I feel that way as we come to the end of book studies, because it is hard to, to start reading in, in one book and finishing and going all the way through just in our daily reading. But in preaching, there's something very special about being able to study one book and, and preach through it. Um, and then we get to the end. And I feel like today, as, as the church, we can just go, wow, what a joy, what a privilege. It is complete. We have studied through the scripture. We have gone through the book of James and, and here we stand at the end and there ought to be something within you that goes, ah, that's, that's refreshing. That is good. But here's what's even greater. This trophy we receive, the, the goodness we receive by studying through the scriptures does not tarnish, it does not fade. It lasts forever. And so just know that that's what we're committed to as we study the scriptures, as we preach through the scriptures, that we're preaching something and we're studying something and we're hiding something in our hearts that is eternal. It lasts forever. It does not tarnish. It does not fade. It does not waste 
away. And so that's why we find, that's where we find ourselves at the end of James today. So I hope that you're encouraged and I hope also what this will do, it will encourage you in your daily reading of the Bible, that you'll just pick something and you'll go through it to its completion. Because a lot of times we don't know what to read in the Bible. And, and, and so we go by our emotions, how we feel that day. I'm sad today. So let me find something uplifting or, you know, I've been feeling a little bit of pride coming on lately. So let me just kind of bounce over to Proverbs and get set in my place. And, and yes, that can be good, but I do encourage you, church, pick a book of the Bible, read through it, learn, grow, take notes, wrestle through it, write down questions when you don't understand what you're reading and grow in Christ Jesus. And so that's what we're doing together as we go through the scripture. So we're in James chapter 5, 19 through 20. And, and how about this? I mean, we're talking about a completion. Let's, let's just stand upon the promises of God today. Will you stand with me? And let us read these two verses. James 5, 19 through 20. My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word, how it reveals our sin and our great need for our sinless Savior, Jesus. Today, we take heed to your word. We, we hide it in our hearts. May it penetrate hard hearts today as you soften them and they receive the word that we will leave here with great courage, but also with great accountability one to another as we read this passage that we need each other as we are bound together in Christ. Thank you for not leaving us alone. But you watch over us. You live within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our life is sealed until the day of redemption. And you have put witnesses around us. And you have put us in the midst of the church to encourage us to keep running in faithfulness. So all this that we have studied, Lord, in James, as it comes to a conclusion... May it be clear that we cannot do this alone. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. I, I want to start first by looking at eternal security as, as we read this passage, because some would, would look to these two scripture verses and say, I, I believe that this is pointing to one that could have been saved and that no longer is saved. And I want to be crystal clear that that is not what we hold to uh, in the faith uh, in, in this local church, uh, we hold to an eternal security, a perseverance of the saints, a once saved, always following truth. And so we have been adopted into the family of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's because you have been brought in by his good grace, by his goodness and mercy. He has made you his very own. The idea that we could be saved and then lose our salvation, always rest on man's doing. 
It means that man had something to do with his salvation coming in and man has everything to do with losing that salvation on his way out in which we say this is indeed not what we stand upon. What we stand upon is that we've been brought into the family of God. And scripture affirms this. We'll look at two passages that affirm this. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And so we will get to these two verses. Don't think that we just read them and now we're going off course. We're, we're, we're working our way to them. But Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse 6. Because you are sons. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I want to point out something in verse six, because a lot of times when we look to Abba, Father, we say, oh, what he's saying is it's like calling out to daddy. And, and yeah, Abba does mean daddy. But instead of reflecting on that right now, I just want to bring this truth out that we see before us. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out to the father. We do not cry out to the father without the spirit. The Spirit leads in evangelism, coming into our hearts, awakening us, and calling out to God as Father. We don't come forth from the womb calling out to God as Father. We don't just show up at church and join a small group and read our Bibles and just naturally call out to God as Father. We don't naturally do that because naturally ingrained within us, this sin, it says, you're not my father. You're not my father. But yet when the gracious work of God intervenes and the Holy Spirit penetrates our hearts, we find ourselves crying out, father, daddy. Why? Because we've been brought into a family, not because we weaseled our way through the back door, no, we've been brought in through Christ. Romans 8, 13 through 17. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to, deed the, or to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So here's why I mention these verses. One, because the Spirit bears witness within us that indeed we are sons and when it says sons, it doesn't mean that only men can be followers of Christ. We know better than that. It is a title in which men and women both find themselves under. We are sons of God, sons and daughters, children of God. And so, if indeed we are, here's the truth. The Spirit bears witness, and here's what, el what else will happen. We will indeed suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. 
One statement that just came out today, did not plan on saying it, but when we were in our small group this morning and in community group, uh, I was, we were talking about persevering and standing on the promises of God before we even knew we were going to sing that today. And we said that holding to the promises of God is not always delightful. It's not always pain-free. In fact, it can be very painful holding to the promises of God, meaning we suffer, we have real suffering in our lives, but we're going to persevere through it, which means that Christianity is not always about good feeling and thrills and excitement, which means we have to be very careful about what we read. In fact, you have to be very careful when you walk into a Christian bookstore, what you would pick up and put in your hands and begin to read. Because many times it's about the feeling more than it is the faithfulness of God. Beware of just going off feeling because feeling will lead you astray. Faithfulness leads you through those feelings and you still continue to trust and you stand upon the promises of God. So if we are indeed children of God, can we ever be separated from him again? So if, if we're, we're adopted, we're brought into the family, you are mine, says God. He brings you in. You call him daddy. You call him father. The spirit bears witness of this. Can we ever lose it? Can we ever be separated from him again? Not, it was this last week. I had a dream, and um, it was a very weird dream. My children wake up in the morning and say, hey, daddy, did you, did you dream anything last night? And a lot of times I'm like, no, I don't remember, but I remember this one. Because um, I thought I was in trouble when I woke up. Um, I, I dreamed we were in a shopping mall. That's a dream because you don't really go into shopping malls anymore. Uh, it's all outdoor malls. But we were in a shopping mall with a real elevator. And um, I had my son Paxton. I was holding him by the hand. And then all of a sudden, the, the elevator door shut. And he didn't get the clue that it was time to leave. And he stayed in the elevator. And so now I'm separated, the doors closed, and I'm like, uh-oh, I've, I've got to do something. And then all of a sudden, I just became like this amazing gymnast in, in my dream. And so I was upstairs, I had to get downstairs. And so I just, I really did, I jumped off the balcony onto um, this pipe. I don't know why the pipe was stretching across, but it was, it was there, it was there for me. And, and, I, and I did a somersault and I flipped. And then I remember dropping like 20 feet and I'm going, okay, if this is a dream, I'm not uh, ever gonna hit the ground. And I landed and I thought, this is real. And so then I run and I go to look for the elevator doors and they were nowhere to be found. And I woke up in a panic because the panic was I've lost my son. And it's one of those dreams that was so real and so weird, but so real that I just wanted to go check his bed to make sure he was still there. And everything's good. And, and, and I had a hard time going back to sleep because I thought, man, I lost my son. And, and I knew it was just a dream, but the thought of losing my son, God is never going to lose you. He's never going to let you go. You're never going to be able to walk away from him. You're never going to find yourself so distant from him that he says, I've, I've lost him. I've lost Brian. He was mine, but now he's not. And, and I don't know where he is. Somebody, would you help me find him? He's, he's my son. He's my child. God's never going to be in that situation. we were lost and now we're found. So how do we remain found? How, how can we trust in this? We trust his promises. We trust his promises. 
John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So one, we read in verse 28 that we have eternal life through Jesus, our shepherd. We hear his voice. We have responded because indeed sheep know the shepherd's voice. When the call comes, you respond. And there Jesus has us in his hand. We are in the hand of Jesus. Verse 28, verse 29. My father who has given them to me. So what do we see? God the Father giving sheep to his son, the shepherd. I've given my sheep to the shepherd. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Do you see what happens here in Scripture? Double gripped. Double gripped. We've mentioned this before. I hope you'll hear it again. I hope you'll forever remember this when you have your struggles, when it comes to salvation. If you're trusting in the promises of God, he's not failing. You're double gripped in the hands of Jesus and in the hand of God the Father. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Stop right there. What a question. What a question. Because when do you feel separated from God? I don't know. Maybe during tribulation. Maybe in distress. Maybe when times get really hard, or I feel naked and exposed. That's when I feel separated from God. And so here's the good question. In those times, As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things. In all what things? In all what things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why are we more than conquerors? Because he loves us. Oh, it's so hard to get through our heads sometimes, isn't it? I mean, we want that to be fresh on our hearts, but we just find ourselves not believing it because of all of these other things. But he says, in these things, you're more than conquerors because he loves you. Because you go through the stress, because you go through hardship, because you go through persecution, because you feel naked and afraid, doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He loves you. And you are more than a conqueror. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation. So could he be more clear? I mean, anything, nothing at all, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will never be lost once you are indeed found by the grace of God. What about my decisions? Can I walk away from God? Is there anything here that I can just walk away and say, I'm out, I was in, I liked you, I called you father, but no, you're not my father, I'm out, not if you are his child. 
not if you're his child. And that's why we have verses 19 and 20 here before us, because here's what is being exposed in verses 19 and 20. Although he doesn't elaborate on it, this is what's being exposed, the soil of one's heart. There are four types of soil that are mentioned that we see in the book of Mark. One, there's the hard heart. The the, the seed is scattered, it falls on hard ground, comes up, it's taken up. Or the shallow heart. It blossoms quickly, but there's no deep root. And so it fades when the sun comes out, when persecution comes out. Or the infested heart. It's, It's crowded by all the worries and the cares of the world, which we probably see the most in the local church today. But then number four, there's the fertile heart, the soft heart, where that seed comes and it takes root and it has deep roots in the love of God. Man, it grows. The fertile heart trusts his promises and lives based on his promises. That's the fertile heart. And that's what we see here. And and that's the warning for the church, the perseverance of the saints, once saved, always following. So if someone that has been a faithful witness around us, has been in our fellowship here and is now not here, they're sitting at home this morning, What's going on with them? What are we to do? Are we just to ignore there's someone who was once among us and no longer here? Should we just put them off because it's just really inconvenient to go there? You know what? They're choosing to stay home. They're choosing to watch TV, have church home, whatever it may be. Let them be. But no, that's not what we are challenged, encouraged, and commanded to do in verses 19 and 20. Anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. There are those wandering from the truth right now, and we have been called to bring them back. What do we do? We save them from sickness. We save them from death. We could save them from hell. And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. Aren't they a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ? Do you mean to tell me that there could be someone here among this local church who's here every Sunday and every Wednesday who's proclaimed to be a Christian and yet can totally walk away, and when they totally walk away, it means that they were never in Christ to begin with? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are lost people in churches all across America. And let me tell you one big reason why. Because they're comfortable there. They're comfortable. They're accepted. They have friends. They have a good feel good message. They're encouraged about themselves. They don't have to deal with their sin. Or either when you talk about sin, they go, not me. Uh-uh, no, I don't have that problem. That's somebody else's problem. I'm a good person. Always been a good person. Was raised a good person. Don't really have a bad testimony. Have a pretty good testimony, actually. Yes, you could be here in your seat today and be lost. Just being a member here at Perimeter Road Baptist Church does not make you a Christian. And I know where this goes. This, this is frightening. This, this makes you go, okay, am I saved? Let me think back to that prayer I prayed. No, it's, it's do you hold to the good confession? The question is this, are you following Jesus? Understand this, that's always the question. Are you following Jesus? If you're not following Jesus, and you're going in the opposite direction and not calling God Father, but you're rejecting him, you're angry at him, it's his fault, you're in danger. 
you're in danger. That is what James is saying. Go save that person. You may save them from death, from bad decisions leading to death, or from eternity in hell. Go after them. It's not enough. Hear me clearly, church. It's not enough for us just to stand on each other's testimonies. We stand on the promises of God, and if we stand on the promises of God, we will walk faithfully in them. I cannot stand just on your testimony alone. You cannot stand just on my testimony alone. We examine each other's lives and make sure that we're walking in faithfulness. That's what he's saying here. How can we do this? Let me run through these. Number one, because we've been bought by the blood of Christ. If you are in Christ, you will never leave because when you've been bought, you have been purchased. You may have gone uh, shopping, Black Friday shopping. Most of that's done online these days, but maybe you went to a store. I know some of you, some of you said you went to Michael's at 5 a.m. on Friday morning. Uh, some of you braved Walmart to that. I'm just giving you a hand. Way to go. I mean, that's awesome. Hopefully you took some good video of what happened there. I don't know. But you braved uh, the, the atmosphere that you stepped into. And maybe while you were there, there were so many good deals that you were thinking, man, I've got to get this and I've got to get that. And, and man, that's just on sale. I, I just have to get it. Do I really need it? I'm not sure. And then you get home and you realize that you just purchased some things you really didn't need. And so now you're kind of considering, should I go exchange? Should I go take it back? Yeah, I got, kind of get caught up in a moment. I wanted to get it before that other person got it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Snatch the last one, but I don't need this. And you take it back and say, I need to make an exchange. This is not how salvation in Christ works. Christ doesn't purchase us and say, you know what? <laughs> I purchased you because I was just kind of feeling it in the moment and, and I wanted to grab you up before uh, Satan did. So I just grabbed you up. But you know what, man, I'm, I'm really regretting this purchase. I'm gonna give you back. No, that is not what it means to be bought by the blood of Christ. There are no exchange policies. He purchased you not because you were affordable and available. He purchased you because he loves you and only the blood of Jesus could purchase you. That's why he purchased you. He purchased you because he loves you. Only the blood of Jesus could purchase you. No greater currency has ever existed that has more value than the blood of Christ. Nothing else. Nothing else. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, uh, the second half of it in verse 20. You are not your own. I love that. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He's reminding them, hey, you've been naughty. Uh, you need to get in line. And here's what you need to know. You are not your own. Quit acting like you are your own person. You are not your own. Verse 20, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Do you see the change? Those who are bought by the blood of Christ glorify God in their bodies. That's the reminder we need every week and midweek and every time we see each other. Glorify God. That's your purpose of being here on earth. Glorify him. There is no counterfeit for the blood of Christ. Nothing could ever compare or look comparable to the precious blood of Christ. Do you know why? Because its effective power is not of this world. But he came to us. He became like us. And he did not sin so that he could take our sins upon himself. And by his blood, he purchased us. Number two, we are brought in by the good work of Christ. The only thing that we have to show for apart 
from the blood of Christ is a forever growing mountain of IOUs. That's all we have to show God, our sin. I owe you for this sin, God. I owe you for this sin, God. I'll make it up to you, God, for this sin. It's a forever mountain and it continues to grow. But here's the truth. God will not receive a single IOU from us. Not one. Not one will suffice that you could put before him and say, I owe you for this sin. If you'll just give me a little time, I'll make it up to you, God. Not one. Which means only the work of Christ can bring you into the family of God. As a child of God, your IOUs were pinned on Christ and every single one of them has been paid for by the blood. Just picture that, all of your sin, one IOU and another IOU and another IOU, all put on Christ. I know, God, I have so much to pay you back for and I can never pay you back. But in one moment right there, when he said it is finished, it was paid for. No more IOUs. A lot of times we tend to stray because we're too busy writing out our IOUs. We need to remember that they've already been paid for. Jesus lived on this earth and there was never a day, a moment, or a second that he had to pin an IOU to God the Father. Never. He was perfect and his work is finished. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So put your stack of IOUs to the side, put your pen down and boast in Christ, because in Christ, there is your righteousness. Our faith is counted to us as righteousness because we trust. Listen, our faith is counted to us as righteousness because we trust that God is fully able to do what he has promised. So we get it mixed up. We say because of Abraham's faith, it was credited to him as righteousness. And we say, okay, because he did something good, then he was made righteous. No, because of his faith, what was he doing? He was trusting that God is fully able that's how you're, you're righteous. That's how it's counted to you as righteousness because you trust God. Our righteousness is in trusting God, not trusting in ourselves. Hebrews 9, 12, and then verse 14. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. How much more? Will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If you're doubting, is it that you're doubting the promises of God? It's not on your performance. It's all on his promises, church. And this is how we stay close. 
This is how we're to remind each other, hey, have you walked away? Are you, are you in a time right now away from the church because you're focusing on your performance? What about the promises of God? And hear the response of someone who's struggling with the promises of God because that's where the problem is. That's where you dissect the problem. But here's why we do this. And this is to sum up 19 and 20. Verse, or number three, we're bound together as the body of Christ. We've been bought by the blood of Christ. We've been brought in by the good work of Christ. We are bound together as the body of Christ. You say, well, you know what? I don't really want to be a part of the church as a Christian. I, I kind of want to be off to myself. In love, in love, I share this with you. That's not your decision to make. It's not your decision to make. It's already been made for you. Which means that there are going to be some things in the local church that you don't like. There are going to be things that we say to each other sometimes that are just off. I mean, they're not scriptural. No way are they scriptural. We, we, we come at each other the wrong way. But you know what? We show forgiveness. We show patience with each other. We need the church. We need the church. We are bound together as the body of Christ Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's why it's so important, because he purchased the church with his blood. It's the most precious possession to be guarded, to be protected, to be loved, to be cherished. Can we have that type of fellowship here? Can we grow in that type of fellowship here? To trust each other, to hold each other accountable as we are bound together as the body of Christ so that we may not wander. And if one is wandering, that we could go get them and bring them back to save their soul. Why? Because we want to be in love with Jesus. We want to glorify God in our bodies. We have been bound together in Christ to ensure that we have fertile hearts. Do you hear that? We have been bound together in Christ to ensure that we have fertile hearts. The longer we hang out with each other, the more we ought to affirm that, yes, indeed, you have a fertile heart. I see the fruit. I see the growth. Let's persevere. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. You see, as we said earlier, it's not only possible, it is a reality that within our local churches, people say they are Christians, but their hearts reflect otherwise. Our actions bear witness. A question and a reminder once again that we should all be asking each other is, are you faithfully following Christ today? This is not legalism. This is not creating a list that your brothers and sisters need to all check off so that you'll feel comfortable that they're faithfully following Christ. No, this is an honest question to ask each other, a probing question in which we ought to be listening to one another and praying for one another. Are you faithfully following Christ? Be careful for anything that will trip you up and get you away from here for a period of time. Be careful. It could be good. It could be fun. It could be entertaining. It could be relaxing. It could be refreshing. It could be just what you think you need. But if you find yourself away from here for a period of time, there's danger. Go 
come back in. Come close. Confess one to another. We must confess one to another. Here's where I'm struggling. I need you. I need your prayers. May we not play games with each other. May we ask these questions. How is your heart? How is your mind? How is your soul? And if someone calls you this week and says, hey, can we go get coffee? I mean, don't act weird. Don't get upset. (laughs) Be grateful that they want to meet with you. Be grateful that they want to take time and kind of probe into your life and hear how you're doing. We are not here at this local church simply due to our preferences. But we are here for our protection. We are not here at this local church simply due to our preferences, but we are here for our protection. Now listen, your preferences may have been met when you came in here. You're like, oh, I like how he plays the guitar. I like how they sing. I like how they approach the scriptures. Oh, I like how they break into small groups. I like how they have this for children. I like how they have this for students. I like how they have this for college. This is wonderful. Yeah, preferences may have been met, but you're not here for your preferences. You're here for your protection. Sheep gather together with the purpose of listening and living in accordance to our shepherd's voice. That's why we're here. Sheep gather together with the purpose of listening and living in accordance to our shepherd's voice. So after all of this, let me read James 5, 19 through 20 in closing to you. And maybe it makes even more sense to us today. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our time in the book of James. It's been good, Lord for us to be challenged with our works and our life before you, before others. May we receive this today, which we have heard to hold each other accountable, to go after one another. Father, forgive us where we have missed opportunities, where we just have willfully chosen not to take them due to inconvenience, Thank you for your patience, Lord, and your kindness over us. Enlighten us, Lord. May our eyes be open to those that we need to go find and bring back in, Father. May we be a faithful church, trust in your promises, and rely on one another as we're bound together in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.